Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A, a BJJ, BJJ Marriage. Marriage, where we talk about our lives as a married jujitsu couple. Yeah, well, you know, I feel like making songs a lot of times myself. No, you don't. <laughs> Cheers to another week. I live with you. You do not do that. I, in my head, I do. But a lot of times I don't share it with you because mm-hmm. you'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> I do hear you sing occasionally. Not as much as our friend Zach, though. Yeah. Our friend, we used to live with one of our really good friends, Zach Dijeski, and he would sing in the shower very loud all the time. And he warned about, he warned us about it when we moved in or when we all moved in together. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I like to sing a lot. I would like to be a professional singer one day. And in my head, I was just like, okay, like whatever. How much is a lot? It was all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did choir together. That was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, welcome, everybody. Yes, we another a week. A little bit of a new setup, thanks to oh. this guy right here. Try things, right? <laughs> we yes. have lights laying around. Why not use them a little bit? Yeah, but they might be changing colors. So those of you watching, you're not delusional. It is happening. I didn't can know they, they changed it? colors. Yeah, this one keeps going from red to green to yes, green. Yes, you can definitely tell. To blue. <laughs> I think it's turning yellow. I don't know. I can't yeah. look at it. So. So if you're listening to a podcast, we have some lights changing colors behind us. Yeah. <laughs> Check us out on YouTube, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Welcome to episode 24. 24. By what the is... end of this episode, we will have been talking for about jujitsu for a whole day. Wow. Isn't that insane? Well, our first episode was only like 25 minutes. That's but a couple of them have been an hour and a half. Yeah, I know. That is crazy. Yeah. But I've definitely talked way more than a day's worth of jujitsu in my life. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh-huh. So how was your week? What is, what's going on this week in the lives of the... Jiu-jitsu community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been a fun week. Lots of stuff happened. We had a competition yesterday, which was yes. cool. Got to go watch... I don't know how many hours were we there. We were there from like 9.30 in the morning, and I think we left at like 6.30 at night. So it yes. was nine hours. It lots was... of coaching. Oh, my goodness. I saw lots of guillotine attempts. Naga is a primarily no-gi heavy tournament, so guillotines from everywhere. A lot of people's necks are going to be sore today. I just looked right at the light. Never look right at the light. Because I wanted to see what color it was. <laughs> I think it's like... Red, green, and blue right now. <laughs> yes. It looks pink up here, though. I know. But, yes, lots of guillotines, guillotines, however you want to say it, tomato, tomato, guillotine, guillotine. But it, uh, it was kind of painful to watch, actually, because it just kept happening and yes. not well. Yeah, and then people were not defending the guillotines well. And so it was half-assed guillotine attempts and then half-assed guillotine defenses. Yeah. So Especially we, from the kids, but like some of the adults also, we were like, "What is that?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, okay. you know, Conor McGregor's guillotine attempt last okay, night. Okay, yeah, that was also funny. <laughs> I really expected Dustin to go for some guillotines, and lo and behold, Conor goes and tries a guillotine and breaks his own ankle. Yep, and doesn't even do the guillotine right. Like his elbow was all the way flared out. I'm like, "What are you doing, bro?" Yeah, but let's be fair to everybody in competition. It's a guillotine is not 
one of the easiest submissions. No. And you've got a lot of pressure in those moments, and you're trying to hold on. So For dear life. Yeah. But also, one of our friends is doing a guillotine seminar today in Denver. That's today? Yeah. Good for him. I know. We're late. A little late, <laughs> but we can make it. Shout out Josh Janice. And shout out Morningstar. Yeah, Morningstar in Colorado, Denver, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. That's where we actually trained when we were there for vacation in October. When we were supposed to compete and try some guillotines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Josh is really, really good. I would say almost an expert at yeah. guillotines and the defense. I would say he's an expert. He's doing a BJJ Fanatics video called the Guillotine Glossary, which is going to be coming out sometime, hopefully this year. Awesome. So yeah, that's super cool. That's super cool. But yeah. basically, he was telling he was there on Tuesday. That was actually part of our week this week. Is mm-hmm. he was at Fluid and he was talking to us about guillotines, and he was basically saying that if you struggle, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're trying to crank it and do all this crazy stuff and, and trying like to really lift and get your hips in and all like, that, it should be effortless. So yeah, everyone yesterday was doing it wrong. Everyone. Well. I'd say they could be doing it better. It was still wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to do guillotines very well. So I yeah. wouldn't, I don't think I would even try it in competition. Like maybe for like a holding second, just so I can mm-hmm. transition. Yep. But I don't think I would try to finish a guillotine at this point in my life. You got to imagine that, you know how universally strong the front headlock is? Mm-hmm. It's a front headlock from mount. And you can use that to sweep and transition. And do a whole other things, but you can also submit them with it. Yeah. No, I know it's good. I'm just saying, me personally, as a white belt who's only been doing this sport for about two years, mm-hmm. I wouldn't try to finish a guillotine unless it was completely in my hands and I could do it. Sure. Like, yeah. I wouldn't actively be like, oh, I'm going to finish this with a sub of a guillotine today. Like, that's not what I would try to do. Yeah. I told your dad that I was going to guillotine everybody for the next two weeks. Mm. <laughs> So, uh, protect your neck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was our catchphrase of the day yesterday. Yeah. We had six kids compete and three adults, and I think all of them got a guillotine at least attempt on them. I think every single one of them. Yes. Maybe not Rome. Especially in no gi. Rome may have even gotten a guillotine attempt. I don't remember. I think he did. Attempt, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because he was in this guard, and then he had to get out of the guillotine, and then he got in the triangle. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, but guillotines everywhere. And then, of course, (laughs) we go and watch the fights. UFC 264, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, trilogy, the third one, and another guillotine. I was my (laughs) my voice hurt last night after screaming all day for so long. Yeah, and we were in such a coach's mindset all day at the tournament that we went to watch UFC, and then we started coaching them for some reason. (laughs) Like, first of all, they don't need our help. Second, they can't hear us. Secondly, I think they're pretty far away from us in Vegas, and we're here up in Wisconsin. Yelling at a projector. (laughs) Like, scoop up the leg. What are you doing? Cut the angle. Yep. (laughs) And then even, I don't even like McGregor. I didn't want him to win, but when I saw him doing the guillotine, I was yelling at the projector, like, suck in your elbow. Like, what are you doing? It was terrible. (laughs) It was awful. And then I was like, I'm going to lose my voice for yelling at two people who do not need my help. Yep. And then when we were driving home, I was like, Brittany, I think this is what people do when they watch regular sports and we look at them like they're insane. Yep. (laughs) So that would be our life, apparently. Yes. 
but that's why we did this podcast right a bjj marriage and our life kind of just revolves around jujitsu at this point there's a lot of jujitsu that happens in our lives yes <laughs> how else was your week though how was training this week it was good tuesday was a fantastic class i loved tuesday we learned a lot so actually we figured out this week that tuesdays for us at fluid because our friend adam has been teaching it in the meantime for the last couple months but he's not going to be teaching it for permanent time i said that weird but (laughs) yeah (laughs) after like september i don't think he's going to be teaching that class anymore so he never really like comes in with a huge like curriculum or a plan or anything he just kind of flies by the seat of his pants but i did learn on tuesday that he teaches more in the style of scrambles and takedowns and no submissions and i had to really think about it and be like you've showed a submission before and he's like no i really haven't and i'm like yeah, you're right. You really haven't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was Rob. That's crazy. Or Dave or me. Yeah. So I guess everything that we've ever done in that class is just learning how to get out of bad positions. And it's really cool. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy yep. Tuesdays a lot. And especially how to get from standing to the ground in a way that's beneficial for you. <laughs> yes. Scramble. Yes. It's great. Yeah. How was Tuesday for you? I loved Tuesday. First of all, this week I did a lot of competition prep with the kids. Mm-hmm. So I had a really good time with that. And the kids that went out and compete, we had more, we had like double the amount of kids competing versus the adults. Mm -hmm. And some of the kids picked up a lot of things from our um, preparation classes. And some of the kids showed a lot of holes in the game that we need to work on. Mm -hmm. So as a coach, it's good to know what's next on the curriculum. But as a coach, it's also like, dang it. I wish that things could have gone better for you. Yeah. I would say that kids competing is a total different mindset just because kids, I mean, they don't really, their brains aren't fully developed. Like they're just not, you're not fully developed until you're 25. So (laughs) it's already hard to get things to go through to them when it comes to jujitsu. But then on top of that, they're all such different weights and sizes and ranks and skill levels mm-hmm. that it's really, really hard for a child in a jujitsu gym to find someone that's a good training partner for them. Right. It's pretty much everyone is bigger or everyone's smaller than you. For everyone. Every single person. Yeah, and, p- and kids grow at such different rates, too. Yeah. So I would say it's very difficult. And I'm not saying that adults don't have it hard at all. Like, we all have people that were like, oh, well, you know, they've been training a year longer than me. Or mm-hmm. they're, like, 30 pounds heavier than me. Like, But it's still close enough in rank that you can yeah. figure it out. Whereas kids, I just feel like they're all over the board. And they don't even get their stripes and their belts really based on, like, Skill. Skill. It's more about time and motivation to get them to keep coming back, which is kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. And I would also say that adults have a much uh, better way of tailoring their game based on who they're playing against. Mm -hmm. So if you and I are rolling, I'm not going to use all of my, like, you know, top skills that I have because it would just be completely unfair based on the time and the weight that I have on you. Mm -hmm. Right? But... Also, when I'm going with, you know, a brown belt or a black belt, they either want to kill me or they're going to have the mindset, I'm going to let him learn today and try some of his stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And based on weight and rank, people have a really good system with each other to help each other be a little bit more equal on the mat. Right. And it's just unfortunate that kids don't really get that. Kids don't get that at all. And then we actually had... 
some kids that are like best friends that they were training for competition together and they'd had the competition next day and um one of them was going a little lighter because he knew he had to compete the next day and the other one took complete advantage of that and just like <laughs> face crossed him <laughs> yeah he elbow was, strike he was just like <laughs> grinding him into the ground and yeah and he was just not being nice about it because he normally always loses all the exchanges. So he took mm-hmm. advantage of the other kid being nicer. Because the other kid had the foresight to think of tomorrow. But the kid that was being mean could only think of right now. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and we had to split them up. <laughs> yeah, it's something I appreciate about adults training versus kids training. Yeah. Among other things. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the rest of the week, it went really well. Tuesday was a good class. And then just your, oh, we had a footlock series on Friday. That was fun. That was super fun. Yeah, David Miller is coming in and showing some foot uh, lock wizardry. Yeah, shout we, out David Miller. That we normally don't have the opportunity to get a, a actual in-person breakdown of versus YouTube. Not all the time, I guess. Mm-mm. Yeah. But he's very... He's very good at explaining the small details that a lot of people just don't pick up on. And mm-hmm. footlocks are so hard and so different just because white belts are not allowed to do them. Like, we can do straight ankle locks, but that's about it. Like, you really can't do much else as a white belt because it is so dangerous. And, like, within an instant, you can pop or shred someone's knee open. So, it really is only blue belts and above and sometimes even just brown belts and above, depending on what kind of lock it is. Yep, depending on the tournament. Depending on the rule set. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of different ways. But I think it's good as a white belt to start being introduced to leg attacks. To at least identify, oh, if somebody's grabbing my leg, I shouldn't just let them have my leg. Yeah. (laughs) Or spin out. Like, there are little details to it in order to not let them finish. And as a white belt, it's good to know how to defend them. Not so much know how to do them. Because if you do it in a competition, because it's in your mind, you can get disqualified. But... I don't know. I thought it was cool because, like I said earlier, I have been training for a little over two years now, and I've definitely been exposed to a lot of leg locks. I I know what a heel hook is. I know how to do a straight ankle lock. I know how to do all that stuff, but I don't actively do them because I can't do them. So seeing it on Friday and doing it was kind of unique and actually kind of fun. But then that same night when I was rolling... I actually got into a couple different leg locks, like I would say three or four times, and I was able to use the defense that David Miller showed us uh, all four of those times, and I didn't get leg lock that night, which was really cool. That's great. Good for you. And then Mm -hmm. Ryan Hall went to show us how if you only attack legs in a self-defense situation that you're probably not going to have a good time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Ryan Hall. I was really excited to see Ryan Hall fight, and I was really disappointed with how that ended up playing out yeah but i mean leg locks think about it so the way that i remember learning about leg lock defense and leg lock attacks is that if you are just holding someone's leg and you're attacking their leg then that person can easily still turn around and punch the crap out of your ribs or if they have a knife they can kill still turn around and stab you because you're just attacking their leg Mm -hmm. so like it's it's fun it's a good I wouldn't even say stalling because it does work. Like, you can rip someone's knee open and they probably will be done for the fight. But, like, I wouldn't say it's the best thing to go for in an actual fight. Yeah. 
And also, if somebody grabs your leg, you can use your other one and just stomp on their face mm-hmm. or their arms or anything. Yeah. It's, like I said, I mean, they're definitely good, and I appreciate anyone who can do them, and I think it's going to be really fun as my jujitsu journey continues to learn them and grow and get better in the technique. But in an actual fight, I probably would not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But we'll see. It does present itself a lot. And I have a heavily inverted game of jujitsu. And I'd say I'm upside down 50% of the time. I did not, see, uh, I was just telling Tracy yesterday at the competition, I was watching a couple of the female matches and there was a, a blue belt girl going against someone and she was in a top half guard position and she was able to, I didn't even tell you this, she was able to lock up the, her bottom leg to catch the bottom half guard's person leg. And then what she did was she flipped over them to try to land up into like a side control technical mount type position. And she took the leg with her and in the middle of the roll, she captured the leg with her other leg, squeezed it, and then flipped her leg upside down. And I was like, that was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome. I was so impressed. That was the two-stripe blue belt that I was telling you that I was watching who was going with the yellow belt. Oh, that's fantastic. It was a really cool move. And I was just telling Tracy, I'm like, that was awesome. I want to roll with her because I want to do that. That sounds (laughs) So guess what I'm working on this week? (laughs) Upside downs? Upside downs. Some Baron Bolos? Yep. (laughs) Sounds like fun. I love them. It was cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, going back to... uh, the kids and how they get their belts and their stripes. So I don't really know how other gyms do their promotions for the kids. I think we're similar in aspects of how other gyms do it, but I haven't ever been to another gym to know how do they do it. But what we do is kids get their stripes and their belts based on the time that they put in. So Based on attendance. Yep, the time. So what I mean by that is every time that they come to class, they have this thing what we call as a passport, and they get a hole punch in their passport. And once they hit, I think, 17 classes, then they get a strike. And then they get a new passport, and then they have 17 more. And then so on and so forth, all through their fourth stripes. And then when they are when they have their fourth stripe, and they get their next passport with 17 holes, on that 17th, then they get the next belt. So for kids, it really is just show up. And the hard part for kids is that they don't get to roll very much, especially Mm -hmm. because they are all different sizes and different ranks and different skills. So kids earn their stripes and their belts, absolutely. But it's definitely more on attendance than it is skill. Mm -hmm. And adults are way different. Yeah, adults are all over the place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, adults at different gyms get sometimes promotions based on attendance but there's other people that are straight killers that attendance does not matter they just rank up all the time anyways and then there's some professors that really do only promote based on skill mm-hmm. and some some gyms and affiliations um, rank up based on like curriculums and like tests and proficiencies on certain things mm-hmm. and uh Every gym has its own different mixture of that. Yeah. But how does it feel as a white belt whenever you get a stripe? Now that you've gotten, what, four of them? (laughs) Honestly, I 
was really excited when I got my first stripe because the first one is just like a, wow, they recognize me and I'm not just like here messing up all the time. Like I obviously I'm messing up Mm -hmm. a lot, but like it actually shows that you have the motivation and you have the, I don't even know how to describe it. Basically, it just feels good to know that you're recognized when you get that first stripe. Because I always say the first stripe and the fourth stripe are like the two most important ones because it shows that you're really ranking up in your division and your skill level and your mindset. And you're able to start controlling your movements a lot more. When I got my second stripe and my third stripe, I would say that it wasn't as exciting but it was still it was still awesome and it was still really like a really good feeling but i don't feel like it was as exciting as the first or the fourth yeah i think that the first stripe on your white belt is the most important stripe of all of jiu jitsu because it shows that you've committed enough time to actually start learning the art and everything subsequently follows that first stripe on your white belt there's there's nobody okay there are people that skip their stripes but Everybody has to pass through that crucible mm-hmm. of getting smashed, not knowing what to do when you first start a roll. Like, oh, yeah. we're on the ground. What am I supposed to do? Yep. Get around your legs. What? Why yep. do you mean? What is side control? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that first stripe really shows that, like, now you've seen all the basic positions of jujitsu, and now mm-hmm. you can start knowing how to use them. Yes, and you understand that they start to connect to each other and Mm -hmm. you move from position to position and there's all these different types of submissions from every position and then you start to become aware of all those things. And and that's what the first stripe is really about, showing that, A, you're tough enough to not just quit after your first class, like, fuck that shit, I did not like that. (laughs) (laughs) That was awful for me. I felt like I was dying, I couldn't do anything. I didn't even know what a tap was yet. (laughs) I think your first stripe really shows that you are kind of in it now. Even if you don't stay in it, it just kind of shows that you're willing to put in the work to get better. Yeah. Because there's people who never get their first stripe because they stop. They just stop right away. They come for maybe a week, maybe a month, and they're like, eh, I am not getting good at this. I got to go. Yeah. Or they hurt themselves physically. Yep. Or more importantly, their ego gets destroyed Mm -hmm. because they think that they're tough shit, like they're strong or they are very athletic Mm -hmm. or any other sport they've ever tried in their life, they were good at pretty quickly. Immediately, yeah. And they could start picking it up right away. But jujitsu is so unnatural based comparatively to any other sport Mm -hmm. that there's no learning curve unless you have other grappling into it that helps you get better faster unless you put in the time yep and let's just throw this out there if you're watching this and you are a no stripe white belt or you're a one stripe white belt get out of here you're still not good (laughs) (laughs) like even if you're a three stripe blue belt because they don't matter you're still not very good at this sport (laughs) i don't think you really actually get good at this sport until you're like i don't even know red belt (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was totally out there. But no, I mean, we're saying that your first stripe is more of like a you earned it and we see you and we are here to help you type thing. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas like no stripe white belts, we're obviously going to help you and we want you to get there. But it's more of like a, let's see if you kind of work out. Let's see if you end up staying. Once you get your first stripe, then people like in our positions, we start noticing a little bit more. We start remembering your name a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) That's an accident. (laughs) It's just, sorry. You can only remember so many names. Yeah. But that's when we know that like you're ready to take this sport seriously and we're ready to be training partners with you a lot more. Mm -hmm. I would say. Yep. And once you get that first stripe, more people will roll with you mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's one big thing is everybody sees a no-stripe white belt and they're like, oh, I'm going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And the reason that is is because no-stripe white belts haven't built up the predictive habits that people that play jiu-jitsu typically have. Yep. But, you know, everyone who has ever done this sport ever was had a first day. Right. Every single person. And I tell that to everybody that starts out. Yep. No matter what, if it's Muay Thai, if it's Jiu Jitsu, um, whatever we're trying out together, even in life when somebody tries something new, I say everybody at one point in their life had 0% idea of what they're doing right now, but mm-hmm. then they stuck with it, did a little bit more, did a little bit more, and all of a sudden you start to build more and more understanding of what it is that yep. you're doing. Exactly. And jujitsu is not easy. It is not one of those sports that you can just come in and pick up right away. Like, you can't just go dribble a ball for five minutes and now you can make a shot. Like, it just, it doesn't happen that way. You have to put in years and years of work. And that's why it takes, on average, eight to ten years for an active person going three times a week plus to get their black belt. Like, it is not something that you can just pick up on unless you're Adam Conley. (laughs) (laughs) Or BJ Penn. Yeah. (laughs) But even Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan had a first day. It took him six years to get his black belt, and he is the best in the world now. Yep. But it still took him six years, which is dramatically short for a a person to get their black belt in this sport. But think about six years. Where were you six years ago? What were you doing six years ago? You were probably a completely different person in a completely different world. Yeah, I don't remember six years. What year is it? 2021? 2015. Yeah. What was I doing? <laughs> we were planning a trip to Europe in 2015. Because really? we went in 2016. Wow. Yep. And we had just moved in together. Oh, cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> that hasn't ended yet. Nope. <laughs> Some days. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Jada just asked us yesterday, my little sister, she's 13, she was like, have you guys ever gotten into, like, a big fight? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and she was like, Nick just doesn't seem like the type of person I get into a big fight. And I was like, I like how you said Nick and not me. But, yeah, most of the time it's me fighting and he's just sitting there and then I get mad because he's not fighting back with me. But... We don't fight. For oh, those of you funny. who are wondering, like, we really don't fight. We've been together for seven years, over seven years, and I think we've had, like, three big fights ever. Yeah. And by, but by big, I literally mean, like, less than a day. Because <laughs> <laughs> most people, when they say big fights, it's like, I didn't talk to him for two weeks. They moved out. They went to their mom's house. Like, Oh, God. We are, have never gotten to that point. I don't let that shit happen. <laughs> <laughs> I say, Brittany, be honest with me and tell me how you feel right now. Yep. And I'm not going to judge you for it. But I think, sorry, this is totally off topic. I know we started going into like relationships, but I mean, it's a BJJ marriage, right? Like this is what we do. Exactly. So 
I think the biggest thing for us, the reason that we are so happy, the reason that we are where we are is because we do have that communication. We do talk all the time. If I tell him that he's training too much, I will straight up tell him, you are training too much and there's a reason that your knees are hurting. And then he can get mad at me all he wants, but I don't really care because I'm communicating and I'm being honest. Yes. She's not holding it back, which no, is fine. No, I'm super blunt. For those of you who don't know me, I don't really hold anything in. I will tell you exactly. If I think you're being an idiot, I will tell you you're being really dumb. If I think you're being an idiot, I will ask you about 500 questions at once. He's going to make you wonder why you're thinking the way you are, and I'll just straight up tell you, no, you're being dumb. So we actually had a friend yeah. who would ask us advice at different times, depending on what he was going through, because he knew that if he asked Nick, he would be able to like analyze the situation and be like, yeah, why am I thinking about it that way? Whereas <laughs> when he wanted to know the stone cold truth, he would just be like, Brittany, why is it this way? I'm like, because you're dumb. Oh, okay. Yeah, got it. And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, I am being dumb. And I'm like, yeah. So that's just how we are. Yeah, that is how we are. But it works out well in our relationship because I typically don't allow myself to hold on to any sort of anger. But I recognize in my body whenever something is stressing me out that I have to work through that stress and figure out why I feel that way about that thing and then see what I can do to change that in my life with someone else or with myself. What is it that I'm actually in control of? Yep. Versus where Brittany, she gets mad and then she, okay, this is what she tries to do. She says, stay away from me, give me space. Also touch me. Also ask me about how I'm feeling, but also don't talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) And don't you dare ignore me, (laughs) but stay away. (laughs) So I have to like navigate that. Which I do all right with, I think. <laughs> it's I pretty think, fun. I think it depends on what is happening. <laughs> oh, okay. Because sometimes I'm like, I really just need to be alone right now. And then there's other times where I'm like, just can you please put your knee on my knee so I can just know that you're there. <laughs> and then there's yeah. other days where I'm like, why aren't you asking me why I'm sad? <laughs> <laughs> why are you so sad? <laughs> So it changes, but it's a fun game. I like it. No. I, I appreciate the challenge. <laughs> no matter what we're going through, we still talk about it. Like, yeah. There's nothing that Nick does not know about me because I have told him everything, the good and the bad. Like he knows every single flaw about me. What do you mean flaw? And I know <laughs> everything about him too. Yep. Because that's just what we talk about. Yes. So. When we get promoted, <laughs> we get really happy about it with each other. Yeah. We talk about it, though. Talk yeah. about how we feel. And, I mean, we definitely do talk about the future with promotions and things. Like, there's been multiple times that we've brought up in the last, like, two months about, oh, yeah, well, when you get your blue and when you get your purple, maybe we'll get promoted together. Or, oh, I can't wait to compete as a blue or a purple. Like, we do talk about the future a lot, but then at the same time, We both appreciate where we're at right now in our Mm -hmm. journey. And honestly, I was just telling Lewis yesterday, one of the kids who was competing, I straight up told him because he looked at the kid and the kid had a couple more stripes than he did. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I know that feeling. He's a beast. And I was like, you're a beast. I was like, you don't even look at him. Don't look at his belt. Don't look at his stripes. Because if you were a Nogi, you wouldn't know what he was. 
you would just know that you were put against him in a competition and that is it. Mm-hmm. It does not matter what their rank, what their size is, because you are in your own journey and you are going to do what you need to do out there to win. Yep. And it doesn't matter. But he straight up said, he was like, he's a beast. And I was like, Lewis, you're a beast. I have seen <laughs> you on the mats. Yes. That's one mistake that I've definitely made in the past, and I probably will continue to do it in the future, let's be honest. But whenever you find your brackets, and then you start looking up who you're going up against, and then you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> person has a lot of experience. But then you look at some, and you're like, okay, this is, he has only a few matches. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's not a healthy mindset to go into, because then you start to expect things from certain jiu-jitsu players. And we all know that jiu-jitsu is wild chaotic and anything can happen yep so you just got to put your best self out there for every match regardless of what you're expecting from that other person you really shouldn't have any expectations except for it to be difficult and for you to give it your all i've never looked up my opponent i looked up what school they were at like i look at the names in the school because let's face it the school definitely has an impact on your feelings with it because you might not know the person. You may have never seen their name, met them, know what rank they are at all. But if you see that they're from a school that you know is like MMA and not jujitsu, you immediately are like, all right, I'm going to have to go really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or you see like, oh, they train in a 10th planet gym. All right, I got to protect my ankles. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Like you just know, depending on the school and the instructor and the style that they have, if you see that school name pop up on your bracket, you immediately start questioning what you should be doing. Yeah. And that's human nature, right? To be Mm -hmm. put in a situation. It's almost like, I would say competitions are the equivalents of like tests in school Mm -hmm. or college or like a boss fight or a raid in video games where your skills are going to be tested to the highest level of your current abilities. Yep. And it's very nerve-wracking to ever put all of your effort into one certain thing, Mm -hmm. which is another great reason competitions are good for any jiu-jitsu practitioner to at least try. And I would recommend definitely try as a white belt, not your first competition as like a purple belt. Yeah. I agree with that. Because it gets wild, (laughs) for sure. I just try to remind myself all the time, and it's it's definitely hard, especially if you train this sport, you know, and I think you can relate with what I'm about to say, but like belts and stripes, they really don't matter, but it is very intimidating to see them. Yeah. Like they really don't because I'm a four-stripe white belt. There's other four-stripe white belts in the gym. There's other two-stripe white belts in the gym. There's four-stripe blue belts in the gym, and I can roll with all of them the exact same way and survive. Like it really... It just doesn't matter. Yeah. And it's always awesome when you go to a nogi class somewhere and you meet someone you've never met. And then you roll with them a little, like, more cautious because you're like, do they know something? Mm-hmm. Are they, like, a brown belt in disguise? Mm-hmm. Or is this their second class? Yep. I don't know. I remember some guy showed up one day and I had never met him before, but it was a nogi day. And he was wearing a rash guard with a purple sleeve on it. So my mind immediately went to, like, oh, he's probably a purple belt. I'm going to go really light with, or, like, really calm and collective yeah. with him. And then I found out it was, like, his first day as a white belt. And I was like, oh. And he bought the purple one because he liked the color. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. Oh, I no. didn't know that. He's like, I should return this. I bought a blue one, too. And I was like, it's fine. You can wear whatever rash guard you want. I'm just letting you know what people are going to assume. <laughs> 
Oh, that's super funny. <laughs> I love it. But belts and stripes, I think that anyone who gets them, especially in our gym, I can't speak for everyone, but in our gym at Fluid, they are 100% earned. Yeah, I absolutely don't think earned. my dad, because he's the only one in our gym, the two-stripe black belt under Pedro Sauer, he's the only one in our gym eligible to give out belts and stripes. He has to even be there when we give out kids stripes because I don't think that someone can just do it. I don't think. But at least a belt. I know that for sure. Yeah, for sure. But uh, he has this whole system in his head. I wish he would like <laughs> write it down because if something happens, then I have to figure that out. But <laughs> he has this whole system of what he looks for in each stripe and each belt. Like He expects you to be doing certain movements and certain drills and certain uh chains or yes, connections uh in order to get your next stripe and sure the person who is the same rank as you may be better may be worse than you but as long as you are hitting where he wants you to be certain benchmarks yes benchmarks that's a great word that is where he expects you to be at that certain level and that's when you'll get your stripe yeah and um, he's also a lot more critical of judgment, I should say, than your typical gym instructor. Yep. Yeah, because there's been a couple of times where another black belt has given out stripes <laughs> and uh, Brent wasn't super happy about it. Yeah, <laughs> he was not. But that's okay. He, I mean, I get it because it's his gym and he does look for certain things. And he doesn't train with them, so he, because they are different class times than the times that he teaches, but when he rolls with them, they're not up to the same speed as the people that he promotes, because he's not the one that was able to, like, look for those benchmarks, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they weren't earned, yeah. because the black belt who did give them out obviously saw something that... My dad couldn't because he yeah. doesn't train with them yeah. and believed that those people were deserving of those stripes. Yeah, which is fine. And I think they are. Because another thing that we look for outside of the benchmarks that my dad looks for for certain stripes is that your time invested. Mm -hmm. Because let's just face it, some people are just more naturally gifted than others. But he tries to make it fair for everyone that it's going to be at least six months in between your stripes yeah. because it's really not fair for someone who is super super good and doesn't need to train five times a week if they just want to train two or three times a week but they're like beating up purples like oh gonly um <laughs> who's that guy <laughs> but then there's people who are there five or six days a week and they may just not be as naturally gifted as adam conley so <laughs> he likes to at least have like a timeline in mind even if you are hitting certain things, just to make it a little bit more even and fair yeah. for everyone and make it more of a community rather than a individual. Yes. But let's talk about belt ceremonies. Yes. Those are fun, right? Yes. We have one coming up. We do August have one coming 9th, up. Three of our people are getting promoted. We got a blue, purple, and brown getting yes. promoted. Yeah. So how it works at our gym is whenever belt promotions are coming out, it's not a surprise. Mm -mm. It's actually scheduled on the calendar. And an event that you know to carve out time to get to that class to help support your teammates that are getting a new belt. Which we actually just learned yesterday why he does that. Yeah. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah, because 
there's a lot of times where people get surprised with a belt. and Which is awesome. Yes, which is a cool feeling too. Like you walk in as a white belt and you leave as a blue belt and you had no idea that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a fun day. And then you're just like, wow, I'm really glad I showed up today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like maybe one of your best training partners doesn't normally go to that class or they felt off that day and weren't coming to that class. And then they miss that moment that they can never show up to again. <laughs> so, and you're never able to like bring your wife along or have any family or friends from other gyms that would like to be there. Mm-hmm to come to that ceremony, to share that moment with you because yep. it's a big moment in your jiu-jitsu career that only yep. happens five most times. people five times. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you get a coral belt. Five times over the course <laughs> of 10 years. Yes. So it doesn't happen frequently at all. Like right. I know Sid would probably love to be at ours. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not, cool. he's not at our gym. Right. So it's just a cool experience to be able to be promoted and tell people, hey, I'm going to get promoted on this day. Make sure you're there. Mm -hmm. Like, especially, I would say for us, because Mondays are the days that we do our belt ceremonies because it's just the day that gathers the most people in our community. And it's a gi day. And it's a gi day. So Mondays are actually our off days. Yeah, rest day. We very, very, very seldomly go to the gym on Mondays. And so one of my greatest friends is getting promoted on august 9th and she straight up texted me and she's like you better be there because it's a <laughs> monday and she knows i don't come on mondays and i was like of course i'm going to be there yes yeah it's gonna be a great moment so it's just cool that the ceremonies that we're able to plan and be a part of that and not make other plans that we would on a normal monday just so we can be there and support our friends mm-hmm. and our teammates yes but our ceremonies are super super cool you want to talk about them yeah, our ceremonies are super fun. What we do is we give them a 45-minute shark tank, and then we don't let them tap. No, just kidding. <laughs> but we all line up, and we give them a shark tank, about 30 seconds each person, so constant 30 seconds, 30 seconds, with fresh people for 45 minutes, which, personally, I love being in the shark tank. <laughs> super fun. Are you excited for that? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I Mine, hope you are. Mine's not scheduled, though, so I don't really care. I have time to prepare. <laughs> yeah. But we should start practicing that. We can do a 45-minute roll after this podcast. How about that? Yeah. Come on, we're already dressed. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah. So, everybody lines up, and we got typically at least 30 people lined up to continuously Shark Tank the couple people that are getting promoted, which is super fun. Normally three. We typically try to do three. Yeah. Sometimes four, but three yep. at a time. That way, it's not an entire class waiting to roll two people. Yeah, and then after the Shark Tank, we give them a couple minutes to drink water and, like, not die. (laughs) (laughs) And then they teach their favorite technique that they learned or developed or um, really perfected during that belt transition phase of their life. Mm -hmm. So I taught a loop choke Mm -hmm. from gift wrap (laughs) because that's my favorite move, like, of all time. Yep. Which Dave hit this weekend. Heck Hell yeah. yeah, Dave, getting out those loop chokes. I seriously, yeah. I, I felt like a little bit, I was like, ooh, that's a nice <laughs> loop choke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, that's kind of how I'm starting to feel with arm bars, by the way. Yeah. When I saw that blue belt hit the arm bar yesterday, I was just like, oh, that was so good. It was so <laughs> well executed. <laughs> like, it was just so beautiful to watch. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, apparently submissions are starting to turn us on. So. <laughs> 
So I'll armbar you, you little choke me, you'll turn the camera on. <laughs> <laughs> OnlyFans. Oh my gosh, there was two people at the competition yesterday yes. wearing subscribe to my OnlyFans type of rash guard. It was so funny. Fuck Craig Jones. <laughs> I love Craig Jones. He's so hilarious. And I love all the merch he puts out. But I don't think that I could personally wear that. <laughs> so, anyways, belt promotions. So, yeah, you get to teach your favorite We don't technique. have an OnlyFans, just so you guys know. Not under our regular names. Anyways. <laughs> so. <laughs> My dad think, watches this. How do you think I bought these lights? <laughs> Stonefire? <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. Anyways, so after we teach the technique... Then you finally get your belt, and then it's a great moment. You get choked out with your belt, and you get to take pictures with all your friends and your family and professor and all of the people that you want to take pictures with, and it's such a hurrah moment. It's so fun. Mm -hmm. I love it. I can't wait for in the future to possibly maybe get a purple belt. Who knows? <laughs> maybe I just developed the blue belt blues right now. And this is You're what, done. This is you it. quit. <laughs> <laughs> no episode 25 next week. <laughs> yep. yep. My knees are getting there, you know. I'm yeah, okay. Gonna get pregnant soon. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for me. But anyway. But I wanted to ask you how you feel knowing that probably within the next year that's gonna happen to you. It's for the first time. For the first time. It's exhilarating. Honestly, I have, I've been thinking about it for a while. So I'm pretty sure I've said in a couple other episodes of this that. Once you get your fourth stripe, you're basically the next belt, in my opinion. I feel like once you get your fourth stripe, you are given your next belt at any time. Like, it doesn't have to be the benchmark. It doesn't have to be the six months. It doesn't, like, there's no, I don't really feel like there's any rules because I've seen it happen. Where, like, someone, he got his fourth stripe on his white belt and then, like, I think a month and a half or two months later, he was given his blue. Because I remember I wasn't training at the time. And he's like, oh, I'm getting my blue belt. And I was like, didn't you just get your fourth stripe? And he was like. Yeah. <laughs> and I've seen it happen with other people where, like, they don't wait the whole time. So I guess it was a little intimidating when I did get my fourth because then I was like, oh, uh -oh. my God. <laughs> I was like, I normally have, like, six months or more to prepare for the next one and feel like I'm good enough to reach that level. Because let's face it, when you get a stripe, you don't think that you deserve it typically. Imposter syndrome. Yeah. Most people feel like they have to spend the next month, like, proving that they're worth getting that stripe. But just so you know... You are worth that stripe. Your professor would not have given you that stripe if they didn't think that you earned it. Yeah. Just so you know. Another question for you. Um, I didn't get to show you because life is busy. But on our YouTube comment, Dave asked us, how does it feel as a white belt? Does it feel like for every stripe as a white belt, you get a new target on your back? Yes. Because that's how it feels when you get a new belt, mm -hmm. which you've never experienced. But also Dave never got stripes on his white belt. Mm-hmm. He was just like handed a blue belt. I think he had one or two stripes on his white when he turned blue. Okay. So he was wondering how you feel about how you felt after every stripe, if there was something you had to prove, if there was target on your back. Or... Yes, absolutely. I would say that every time I got a new stripe, there was always people. I mean, I do the same thing to everyone too, but like once you get a new stripe, there's always people like kind of almost waiting in a line for you after class <laughs> to be that like, true. I want to be your first role as a new stripe. And I even just said to Ellie in our role on Friday, I was like, this might be one of our last roles with you as a blue belt. We got to get it in. Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but it'll be public news soon. What? The thought ceremony. But oh. 
Oh, it's public now. Yep, public now. <laughs> I've already given it away, saying one of my greatest yeah. friends. But anyway, so she, I guess there is a huge target because one, like he said, imposter syndrome, you get it and you don't feel like you really deserve it. Even if you did deserve it and even in your head like a week ago, you're like, I might get my stripe soon because I feel like I've been working really hard. It's like as soon as that tape gets wrapped around your belt, you're like, uh-oh. I, now I have something to prove. I have to show that I can do this. Like, I have to start beating up blue belts now because I'm almost one. Like, that's just where you get. And... I don't think most people think that way. No? I don't think most people as a white belt can think that they ever beat up a blue belt. Most people. That's... Okay. <laughs> yeah. You and I are a little different because okay. we... I just train a lot. Yeah, we train a lot. I literally, I just train fun. all the time. So, <laughs> I guess I just have fun with it. But, but I know there's white belts that are like, oh, man, I can never get close to that blue belt. And then they start, like, getting close to blue belt, and they're like, I can hang a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's where I'm at, too. Yeah. I can hang. I can't submit them. Yeah. I've done it, like, maybe once to a couple different people. I gotta go. <laughs> but, it, like I said, it's just once. It's not like I'm just, like, every time I roll with them, I'm getting them three or four times. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not how it happens. But, yes, Dave, I do feel... Like, there is a target on my back every time I get a stripe, and I feel like even more so once I get my blue, because I did talk to Kelsey, who just got her blue a couple of months ago, and I asked her, I was like, have people been rolling harder with you? And she's like, oh yeah, like, absolutely. And I was like, yes. okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like noticeable. People are like, oh, you're a blue belt. Die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I was a white belt last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's actually, that's something Denise brought up to me too. So Denise is a purple belt and we were at a competition, I think in January, December or January, one of the two. Yep. And I had followed her around because I really wanted to watch her role because, you know, purple belt girls are just kind of like unicorns. That's what I call them. <laughs> so sure. I was watching her role and I was talking to her just a little bit before her match. And this was the first time I'd ever seen her. And I was like, sorry, I just really want to watch you. Like, I, sorry if I'm freaking you out or creeping you out. but <laughs> I'm just a fangirl. <laughs> and now she's one of our good friends because she's an affiliate of Fluid. But anyway, she was talking to me and she was just like, I just got this purple belt not too long ago. So I'm basically still a blue belt. And that honestly, that hit me so hard when she said that. And that was six, seven, eight months ago. And I was just like, wow, like. That really is true. Like, yes. Kelsey just got her blue belt a couple months ago, but she was just a white belt a couple months ago. Like, yes. you don't just automatically get a new stripe or get a new belt, and you're just like, oh, I'm great now. Yes. <laughs> That's not how it happens. Yes. But at the same time, your instructor recognized something in you that you deserve that promotion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something. Yep. Whether it be time, whether it be skill. Mm-hmm. Whether it be one move he saw you do or one realization he saw in your game where he was like, oh, then you need a stripe now. Yep. They saw something where you deserve that stripe. Yep. And I us did. as people, it's hard for us to like recognize like, oh, I am this level. Yep. And honestly, this may sound a little blunt, but it's not your job to figure it out. <laughs> like you're not the professor. It's not your school. It's not your job. Yep. You don't hand out stripes. You just keep doing you. You keep enjoying your journey. You keep trying to get better than you were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the stripe will come. Yeah, and the rest will fall into place. It really sure. doesn't matter. Stripes and belts don't matter. Yeah. Until you're a blue belt and you get killed. But then <laughs> you have to learn how to deal with it, right? Yes. Because I remember also gives you more listening tests. to a podcast. And it was one of the Gracies. I think it was... 
I don't remember what Gracie it is, but it's it's the podcast on. There's Spotify. only like five Gracies. It's. I'm just kidding. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really don't remember who which one it was. I think it was Cron. I want to say it was Cron Gracie. Okay. And it's the podcast. It's called It's Just Jiu-Jitsu. It's on Spotify. I was listening to a couple episodes. It's a little boring, so I didn't listen to too much. But <laughs> uh, they were talking about What a nice shout out. <laughs> in Kron's school, he has an advanced class where it's blue belt only and above. Like, no white belts are allowed. And he says that his favorite feeling is when... They just promote a four-stripe white belt to a blue belt, and then they get to come to that class, and he loves watching them get smashed for the first month. (laughs) He says he just loves it. And he's like, it's just empowering for them to realize that they, just because they're a blue belt, does not mean that they're top shit. Like, they need to work on their skills still, and there's still so much out there that they need to learn and so much that they need to do that within three months of being in that class, they're a completely different grappler. Yes. And that's really cool. I think that's really cool to listen to and think about. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I am close to my blue and you're close to your purple does not mean that we're blue and purple belt material. In my opinion. That's the opposite of what we just said. But no, no, no. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that we can work against another blue or another purple and think that we're just as good. Sure. Type thing. That's what I meant. Yeah. But like, we're starting a new belt journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, just because... I'll be getting my blue in a couple of months does not mean that I'll be able to beat Ellie or Laura or Tracy or like any of them. It just doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'd agree with that for sure. But. Yeah. And then I know belt promotions happen a lot differently in other gyms. So tell us about in the comments about what your belt ceremonies are like. Does your gym still do the gauntlet? Do you know what the gauntlet is? Where you hit people? Yeah, where you take your belts and they run through the line and you yeah, whip them. Yeah, whip them. And yeah. they have all the sides. Yep. Or does your professor just like hand out belts randomly? That's what John Friedland does. <laughs> I know that happens sometimes. But I think that John still has a ceremonial part of the class where um, if you've experienced it before, you recognize that someone's going to get a belt. But if you're a white belt and you've never experienced it, like you didn't know that somebody was going to get a belt. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah. a certain like style of class he does when people are getting promoted. Yep. Our friend Megan, she was a two-stripe blue belt, and then COVID hit, so she stayed a two-stripe blue belt for a really long time. And she was still training, so she was still getting up in skill and everything. And I remember her telling me... Also, she like, lives with the black belt. That yeah. Helps out a little bit. Yep. But <laughs> she was telling me in like April, I think, it's July now, and she was telling me in April, she was just like... I have been a two-stripe blue belt for like a year and a half now. It's kind of crazy. And I was just like, you're good. <laughs> I was like, you're better than a two-stripe blue belt. But like I had nothing good to say about it. I was just yeah. like. I don't know what to say. We're not your professor. We can't even give you stripes. I'm sorry. But like you are good. You're really good. Just know yeah. that your worth is good. And then I think like a couple weeks later, she went into the gym and came out as a purple belt. Like no idea. She just was handed her purple belt. And then she was just like. Oh, and I texted her. I was like, I told you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so, super cool. Just keep going with your journey and know that where you are is where you're supposed to be. And yes. you'll get to where you want to be eventually as long as you put in the time and the effort. And make sure you have fun. Mm-hmm. Super important to have fun. Because okay. if you don't have fun with what you're doing in life, you're not going to want to continue to do it. Right. Same thing with work. Same thing with 
your relationships. Right. If you don't have fun, it's going to stop. You're going to find ways to put it off and not continue to do that thing. Right. I agree. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks for watching, guys. Yeah. Fun episode. Went off in a lot of different tangents, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Normal. So. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. Give us a like, a subscribe, a follow. Write Appreciate in the you comments all. what you liked and what your belt ceremonies are like. We really want to know. See you guys.